everything you put out anywhere should answer the question your customer is always thinking, which is what's in it for me. That's what makes it good. That's what makes them care. That's what makes them share. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek that is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to The New Yorker for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. In print and online, The New Yorker stands apart for its commitment to truth and accuracy, quality writing, and compelling reporting and storytelling. The New Yorker is considered by many to be one of the most influential publications in the world. Get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6, newyorker.com slash dreamjob. We're also supported by Indeed. Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical. Indeed, the number one job site in the world. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Also, thanks to ShipStation. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. Also, thanks to Bombas. Bombas make socks that are comfortable and look great for whenever you need with a wide variety of options. For every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash DREAMJOB. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So if you hear my voice is a little Kathleen Turner. Um, I caught my daughter's cold over the weekend and yesterday I just spent the entire day in bed. Like I could not get up. I just had like sore throat, all the things. And on top of it today, <laughs> I'm interviewing Matthew McConaughey. So stay tuned for that. But, um, I was just feeling like, Oh God, please send me healing wishes. And I was thinking about how I wanted you guys to know that because I think sometimes we can hear people on these podcasts or see people doing their thing. And it looks like, Oh, wow, this person has some superhuman ability to not be intimidated or to make things look easier than they are. And I just want to be very transparent. It's so intimidating. Like before I interviewed Jenna Fisher, I remember like I like spilled my coffee. And before I interviewed Howard Schultz, I was like crying, like, who am I to do this? Oh my God. And so tonight I'm going to interview Mr. Matthew over Zoom. And you know what it is? It's like I was telling my friend Amy Purdy, I was saying to her, look, you know, even interviewing her was so intimidating. I mean, this woman has won the Olympic gold medal in snowboarding three times and she doesn't have legs and she crushed it on Dancing with the Stars and she's gorgeous. And I said to her just the other day, I said, I was completely intimidated. It's like an impossible task. But then I go back to the idea that it's not about impressing other people, especially when you look up to somebody so much. It's really just about making that person feel so seen. 
And I don't think that we realize that everybody wants that all the time. Like you never get full on that. You're never like, oh no, I don't need someone to be present in my life, truly present to hold space for me today. It's like, yes, you do. Like we all want that once in a while, another human soul like comes along and really just makes a space to drop in and truly see us for who we are and what we are so wanting to put in the world. And when someone sees it and gets it, and makes a space to listen to our story, to listen to our pain, to listen to what we have to say to the world. It's amazing. And we can all do that for each other, right? We live in a time where there's such an empathy deficit. We can all create that space for one another. And speaking of that, and speaking of my friend, Amy Purdy, we meet up once a week, me and this really close knit group of girlfriends that I have, and we get on zoom and we're in this sort of peer led mastermind. And we we're there to like inspire each other, coach each other, help each other, push past whatever resistance we're all facing. And just a few days ago, we were like, wouldn't it be fun if we invited you guys to come? <laughs> so if you want to come join us this Wednesday, it's totally free. DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller and I'll send you the link. And while you're at it, go follow Amy Purdy because she's amazing. She's absolutely extraordinary. And you'll get to meet all the other cool girls who are in the group. Uh, Gina DeVee's in the group. Jill Stanton from Screw the 9 to 5 is in the group. Ali Kazaza is in the group. Allison Prince is in the group. Britt Morin is in the group from Britain Co. It's just such an awesome, awesome group of women. I think that you'll really, really enjoy it. So if you want to come hang out with us on Wednesday, it's totally free. Just DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller and I'll send you the link so that you can be a part of this week's weekly meetup. Super fun, right? All right. Well, you know what also is fun? Today's episode. Ah, it's such fire. My friend Christy Wright is back on the show and she's bringing even more wisdom and inspiration for you. Christy is a number one national bestselling author, a personal development expert, the host of the Christy Wright show. And she has served at Ramsey Solutions since 2009, where she teaches on personal development, business and faith. Her first appearance on this podcast was back in 2018. So if you haven't listened to that one, you should go ahead and check it out after you hear today's conversation. You should also go listen to the Christy Wright show where Christy helps you break through all the limitations that you might have to create a life you love and a life that you're proud of. Christy also has an awesome conference coming up. It's October 22nd through the 24th. It's called the Business Boutique Conference, and they're going to have amazing speakers like Jamie Kern-Lima and Gigi Butler. This event is so good for you if you want an actionable plan for your goals, if you want to learn simple and effective ways to serve, to sell to your customers, plus fundamentals in business finance and inspiration to answer what you're made to do, overcome your fear, and turn your idea into income. It's going to be so life-changing. So definitely grab your seat if you're interested. We're going to have the link in the show notes. They're going to have these virtual ticket options. If you're in the Nashville area, you can also go see it in person. Christy is such a beautiful soul, both inside and out. You're going to learn so much from her. Without further ado, please welcome the amazing Christy Wright. I'm so excited because Christy Wright is here. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited about this. I'm so thankful to be here and get to do this with you. I love what you do. And for those of you who didn't hear Christy's first episode on Don't Keep Your Day Job, please go back and listen because I was in tears when you told the story of your mama putting you to sleep on those flower bags. Oh my God, I'm going to start to cry. Why don't we recap that for yeah. one minute? Because there's a very strong why mm. for you. Yeah. Why you are unrelenting in helping women and men, but specifically, why yeah. are you so darn passionate about seeing people be able to create sustenance for themselves 
You know, it's so interesting because so much of my story, if you were to look back on my story, especially in our generation of motherhood where everything has to be monogrammed and matching and Pinterest perfect and all the things, it doesn't look anything like that in the 80s. <laughs> and I grew right. up. But especially being the only child of a single mom that ran a business to survive. And that's really why she started her business. Um, she started her business to make it. She had $64 to her name. Her and my dad had split, which was not part of her plan. And she had to figure out how to like survive, literally stay afloat. And so she took that money and started a little cake shop. She'd always known how to make cakes because she worked in a bakery when she was 16. And so fast forward, she's 33. She has a six month old baby trying to figure out how to make it. And there was this candy store in downtown Nashville that had a front showcase window that wasn't being used. And so she walks inside this candy store, asks to speak to the owner and she pitches him her idea, which she was literally making up on the fly, which I just love everything about this. She's like, I want to start a bakery in the front showcase window. I'll pay you X percent of my profits. It will be eye-catching for people walking by to see someone decorating cakes. This will be a win for you, win for me. He goes for it. And it wasn't long before there was a line around the block and it wasn't for the candy. It was for my mom's cakes. And he eventually kicked her out because she was taking up so much uh, space and so much business. And, you know, 14 moves later, hundreds of thousands of customers, millions of cakes later, his mom is still in business. But what's so pivotal about that for me being the daughter, for me being the only child that would go to the bakery at two and three and four in the morning that spent more time with her employees than I did my own friends that got a front row seat to business. I also got a front row seat to watching a woman survive and make it. And she was a fighter and a survivor and she didn't apologize for her dreams and she did what she needed to do to get by. And I think that one of the things that this is a more of a parenting principle, but one of the things that I think myself and my friends and our generation of moms miss is that something beautiful happens in the struggle. Um, and we try to insulate our kids from struggle. We want to try to protect them from right. any type of heartache, disappointment, setback problem. And it's like, I tell people all the time, I didn't make it in life despite the struggle. I made it because of it. I was in it with my mom. Figure, when we got a flat tire in the rain, we were figuring out how to make it. When, when a customer came in because she dropped her cake because her kids were crazy, I watched how my mom took care of that woman. I watched how my mom talked to homeless people downtown. I watched her and that's what made me who I am. And so for me, it has given me this fire to empower women and, and equip them to figure out what they love to do and to unapologetically go, go do it. If it's a small business, cool. If it's a different career, fine. If it's a side business or, you know, whatever you want it to look like, there's not one right version of success, but I do want to help women feel set free to chase their version of it. And so it's just, my story is such a big part of why I love to do that. Oh, so great. And now let's not skip over your version of that for yourself. Yes. I want people to know that Christy for years was giving her heart and soul to the YMCA, like mm -hmm. working so hard. And I'm going to have you pick up where this story leaves off for me. But what I know about the story is that one night you said, dear God, <laughs> I need to do something. And I don't know what exactly it is, but I don't think it's this. And you had some kind of a intuitive hit you heard God say to you in some words, you need to go work for Dave Ramsey. But when you went to work for Dave Ramsey, it wasn't the Christy Wright show. No, oh, no, 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 <laughs> hardly. So tell us how the heck one of the smartest living humans in the world was able to notice you as one of many in his organization and you wound up sitting where you sit now. Here's what happened. I was hired in the fall of 2009 as a youth project coordinator. So a, a project manager, essentially. And I was in charge of Bible studies, books, you know, piggy banks, that type of thing. I was young. I was in my mid twenties, maybe early twenties. And in spring of 2010, so only four to six months later, 
um, someone in my department had worked out an arrangement between a Christian conference, a youth conference that was going to happen that summer, and Rachel Cruz, which was Dave Ramsey's daughter, is raised Dave Ramsey's daughter. It, it, at this time, Rachel Cruz was a college student. She wasn't even graduated, but she was going to come on our team. She was going to be the face of youth and teens at the time. And so they were like, yeah, let's have her go speak. We'll just have her go to these conferences. They worked out the whole arrangement and at some point handed it off to me. Like you're in youth products, you're in youth projects, you take it and run with it. So I was like, okay. So I kind of managed the relationship, planned everything out, worked with Rachel and what her talk was going to be while she's still in college and all that. Well, about two weeks before she's supposed to go on the road, we get the travel schedule from the conference. And Kathy, it was the worst flights you could possibly imagine. Two and three connections. You're going to New York to California to get to Texas. 18 hours a day, you're in an airport. Oh my God. So I'm like, this is a disaster. This is a nightmare. I have to take this calendar to Dave Ramsey, who, by the way, is the CEO and her dad her and father. her dad. Yeah. Sure. Right. Her dad. And say, hey, how do you feel about this schedule for your little girl? Okay. Um, so I go to him again. Wasn't sure how this was going to go. And he sees it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, this is more than we agreed to as a company for this partnership. And she's not doing this. She's going to do 10. They can pick whichever 10, but she's not doing the full 20 because you were in a different state every day. It was a nightmare schedule. So I'm like, okay, great. So I get to take this news back to the conference and be the bearer of bad news. And I'll never forget the man's name was Chase. And I get on the phone with him. Kathy had not thought through how this was going to go. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a type of person that plans like 18 steps in advance. I'm like, I think one. I'm like, I got to get through this step. Then I'll figure out the next step, right? So I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm just going to deliver the bad news. I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know, it's more than we agreed to, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she can't do 20. She can do 10. And guess what? You can pick whichever 10 you want, but <laughs> she can only do 10. And he's like, Christy, what am I going to do? This conference starts in two weeks. I don't have her booked for 10 keynote presentations. I have her booked for 20. What am I going to do for the other 10? And without thinking, I said, I'll do them. <laughs> he said, can you speak? I said, I think so. Kathy, I've never spoken in my life. Honest to God never spoken in my life. But here's the business principle at play, because this is way before Ramsey personalities, way before even speakers or anything else. It was just Dave Ramsey, the man, Dave Ramsey, the brand. I said yes before I knew how. And if you take nothing else away from this episode, from this Facebook Live, uh, if you say yes before you know how, you will figure out how. That is how successful people do what they do. It's not because they have enough degrees, they have enough experience, they have enough clients, they have enough permission from all the people that are the authorities in the sky. They just say yes before they know how, and that's how they figure out how to do the thing. And so that summer I went on the road and I did every single keynote that Rachel didn't do. I did AV for hers, and then I would bounce to the next city and do the, the keynote myself for the other ones. So I went to all cities. Well, that fall, our company identified a need for more speakers because Dave Ramsey was turning down 3,000 requests a year. They created something called the Speakers Group, the Ramsey Speakers Group, and it was five men, two women, me and Rachel Cruz, and they just put me in this group. No audition, no interview, no application. They're like, she did a good job. She can do it now. That has now evolved into the Ramsey personalities. I have a brand. I have a best-selling book. I have this whole, this whole path was paved because I solved a problem. And, and Cheryl Sandberg talks about this in her book, Lean In. She says some of the best positions you'll hold are not positions that are posted, but problems that you solve. And that thing becomes your job. And that's been my story. So my encouragement to people, regardless of where you are, stop waiting around to feel ready. Stop waiting for permission. Stop waiting for experience. Stop assuming that you can't. Instead, say yes before you know how, and it's in the doing that you'll figure out how to do the thing. Is anyone hearing this? Like, oh God, it's so life-giving. It is so good. 
you're like, and I never auditioned. No, you created your own audition. Like, I'm like, am I going to get in trouble for this? Maybe. I don't know. We're about to find out. <laughs> there it is. And so it is. And so and it, it is. It's just so true that we were talking about this last night when I was work, uh, I was on Facebook talking to people. I think there are people that assume that you can't. And there are people that assume that you can. Like in anything in life, it doesn't matter right. when the rules aren't posted, when the path isn't clear, when it's ambiguous, there's not enough information. There are people that their assumption is, well, we can't, we're probably breaking some rule somewhere. Someone's going to get mad. This is going to ruffle some feathers. We can't. That's their go-to default. And there are people that assume that you can. It's like, well, we probably can ask forgiveness, not permission. The people that assume that you can get more out of life. Because they go further, they go faster, they have bigger goals, bigger dreams, they get more done. And, and they are the ones that are the leaders that pave a way for others. And it's not that it's, it's right or wrong. It's simply a fact that if you assume that you can, you will get more. Don't ask, don't get. And so I would have never had the career that I had, had I not assumed that I could. And no one thought that I could. I didn't even think that I could. I was like, we're just going to find out. It's not that you're so cocky and arrogant, like, I definitely can do this. I'm going to totally nail it. It's like, I'm just going to be willing to try. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be willing to try. So it's just assuming that you can, asking forgiveness, not permission, saying yes before you know how, and all these principles that guide your decision-making that lead to much better results than sitting back, shrinking back, waiting for permission, and assuming that you're going to get in trouble. It, it, it's a completely different approach to life. It's unbelievable. And therein lies the gift that your mother gave you when she went and spoke to the man and said, can I put this in right. the... That's window right. and didn't even know how and That's she right. just was there for it That's right. and it's amazing yesterday i heard a story about nelson mandela and how he was he was in prison and it was i'm in prison i'm in prison until one day he asked the question but what if i could get out mm. and who's gonna lead the country and who's what if it was me right mm. like asking these questions right. in a field of possibility that are outside of your current reality right. like your mother going in and having that conversation and creating a possibility from something outside of what the past looks like, what the present looks like, that is so unbelievably powerful. And then yeah. having, like I always say, the cost of admission to success is courage. Mm. And you are so courageous. You've Thank helped you. thousands of people, thousands, millions of people start their own business. What are the first steps? I think that what happens with my audience is they know, they know they want to do something bigger. They know somewhere, somehow they can feel God has given them some divine assignment, mm -hmm. but choosing it, having the permission to say, I will knit those sweaters. Yeah. I will teach that yoga yeah. class. It really feels like I am a fraud. Who the yes. heck am I to do this? Yes. So how do we know which thing to choose? So even what you just mentioned is so exactly how people feel. I love how you describe that because there's, there's a lot of fears that are at play, but there's two specific, I feel like, kind of barriers that you go through. The first barrier is, well, what would I do? Either, I call it, we've got two types of people typically. You have the Jane of all trades and Jane's got 9 million ideas. She has no shortage of ideas. Her ideas have ideas. She's going to have 10 ideas before we get off this call. She doesn't know which idea to choose because she has so many ideas. Blank slate, Betty, opposite end of the problem. She's like, I have no ideas. I have no ideas. I don't even know where ideas come from. How does Jane have so many ideas when I don't have one idea? What would I do? Either way, they both have the same problem, which is not knowing which is their best idea. So the first barrier is picking an idea. Like I want to do something else. I hate my job. I want to do something different. I think that I probably could. I just don't know what it is. Either I have too many ideas, I don't know which one's the best, or I have no idea, so I have nowhere to start. They have the same problem. Once you pick your idea, and we're going to come back to that, but once you pick your idea, 
you the second barrier, which is feeling like a fraud. Oh, but then that fear creeps. Who do you think you are to knit sweaters? Who do you think you are to be a bookkeeper, business coach, personal trainer, right. coffee maker, candle pourer, whatever? Who do you think you are? So you've got the, the barrier of the idea, choosing that, and then you've got the barrier of the, the imposter syndrome, fear, feeling like a fraud, putting yourself out there. So let's talk about both because they're both different problems. The first problem, I think one of the big fears that's at play at this first hurdle of choosing an idea is a fear of choosing the wrong idea. Okay, now let's talk about this. A lot of people talk about calling. Ken Coleman talks about calling. Jeff Goins writes about calling. I love to learn from them. I want to be clear, I don't talk about calling. To me, the idea of calling feels overwhelming. It feels like it's saying that I was put on the earth to do one thing, and if I miss it, what do I do if I miss it? What happens? I don't know about that. Because here's the thing, Kathy. If Business Boutique doesn't work out, if Christy Wright Show doesn't work out, you know what I'm going to do? Something else. Something else, because I could do something else. So I want to encourage people at this first barrier, when that fear is getting loud, that you're going to choose the wrong idea. I just want to encourage you. I don't believe there's just one thing in this world that you can do. I think you can do lots of things. I think you have lots of skills and talents and gifts. And I think there's a lot of needs in the world. And there's a lot of way you can meet those needs with what you have and what you know. So what I want to encourage people to do with that, that barrier is say, I'm just going to pick one. Which one do I pick? I don't know. The one I could start today, the one that sounds the most fun, the one that I have the stuff for, the one that's the most profitable. You can go through several decision-making strategies. Quickest win, the one that gets me to my goal the, the most accurately. Just pick one and do something because what's amazing is when you pick one, you are gaining confidence in having clarity, which gives you momentum to take actions towards that thing. And the more that you do it, so let's say in six months you change your mind. Guess what? It's your life you're allowed to change your mind. Let's say you decide to pivot, go to a little bit different type of business or your business expands or the market informs you they want something different. You, you change and iterate. I'm a great example of this. Let's just use me as an example. Started out in Business Boutique in 2014. I built this brand, this book, this event. We're about to have the event in October. And then over the last couple of years, I started to notice a pattern between people of what people would say to me, Kathy, I'd be out in public and say, oh, Chrissy, I love, your, I love your book. I love your podcast. I love your event. I'm like, oh, what's your business? That's a natural question, right, Kathy, for what I do. What's your business? Oh, I don't have a business. Oh, okay. Do you have like an idea you're working? No, I, I don't want a business either. You just really helped me in my life. You helped me in my faith. You helped me with my goals. And so after years of hearing this, I'm going, the market is showing up for more than business. What if we started serving them? in more than business. And so now you've seen in, in 2020, the business boutique has expanded from just being the business boutique show to being the Christy Wright show. We don't just talk about business. We talk about life and faith and personal development. It's in response to my market. And so you're allowed to change your mind. So if you're feeling fear at this barrier of, I don't know what idea to choose because I'm scared of committing that I have to sign my life away. You don't have to. You can pick something and try something and iterate and change and adapt and pivot because that's by the way what all people in business are doing all day, every day anyway. So I think there's a fear of commitment. The second fear of feeling like an imposter, I would just say, I think one of the things that helps me, I think information about fear, learning about fear, normalizing fear helps me fight it. So I used to think that fear was a bad sign. It was a sign I was doing something wrong. It's a red flag. If I was supposed to do that thing, I wouldn't be scared. So definitely this is a sign for God. Turn back now because I'm scared. I'm like, it's actually not true at all. Fear is really a normal part of the journey. It's not a sign you're doing something bad. It's a sign you're doing something bold and that's a good thing. It's a sign that you care, and that's a good thing. It's a sign that it matters, and that's a good thing. And so when you start to understand fear isn't actually a bad sign, it's a good sign, then you can hear that voice of fear and go, oh, 
Yeah, that's familiar. Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. So I tell people, you don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. You do it while you're scared. The antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing, like doing the thing. So go do the thing. And that voice will finally shut up. Or, or as um, Vincent Van Gogh said, if you have a voice inside your head that says you cannot paint, then by all means paint. And that voice will be silenced. So as silly as it sounds, if you're waiting around to not be scared to do something, you will never do anything. What successful people have figured out is that you don't need to have a perfect path. You just need courage. Like you said, you just need to be willing to do it while you're scared and watch how over time that courage turns into authentic confidence because that experience and proof you have behind you is something you can stand on. But at first it's new. You've never done it. Of course you're scared, but you don't have to wait until you're not scared. You just do it scared. Oh my God, what an absolute gift to have you pour into us. This conversation is unbelievable, but let's just take a moment to thank our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas make socks that reconsider traditional designs to become even more comfortable and look great for whenever you need with a wide variety of colors, patterns, and lengths and styles. And these socks don't only keep you comfortable, they also help keep giving back to the most vulnerable members of our community. For every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. As a result, Bombas customers have helped over 34 million pairs of socks and count get donated through a nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. I love their mission and I'm also a huge fan of their socks. I've been walking around outside more often now that I'm in Florida and there's more space where we live and I always wear my Bomba socks because they're hands down the comfiest socks ever. I love their no-show socks. They're super soft and they fit so snugly around my feet without slipping. My feet are definitely grateful that Bombas is doing what they do in this world. Give a pair when you buy a pair. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash dream job. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash dream job for 20% off your first purchase. I can't believe it's already October, which means the holiday season is right around the corner. And this year, we know that people will be buying more stuff online than ever before. If you're an e-commerce seller, are you ready to meet the demands of this crazy online shopping season? Be ready with ShipStation. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders in just a few clicks. You're managing orders, printing out discounted shipping labels, and getting your products out fast. The result? Happier holidays for you and your customers. And we all know that when you're running a business, it's not just about you. It's about those people you're serving. I know a lot of you sell on different platforms like Amazon, Etsy, your own website. Well, lucky for you, ShipStation can bring all your orders into one simple interface so you can easily manage them from any device. Plus, it works with all the major carriers like USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even international. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution every time so you know you're getting the best rates. And right now, don't keep your day job listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use offer code DREAMJOB. Make sure your business is ready to meet the demands of a massive online shopping season. Get started at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DreamJob. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter offer code DreamJob. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. So good. Now, here's the thing is you're so incredibly right. I love this idea of like, let's really take the P with purpose off the pedestal, right? Like Seth Godin, he says the same thing, Christy. He's like, my purpose, I have no idea what it is. I just was like, I think I can solve some problems in marketing. I think I can do this, yeah. But like, I'd like to teach canoeing actually. But like, <laughs> I don't know if I can actually do that right now. So I'm just going to teach marketing, right? So it's like this purpose thing. I love your like, let's just, let's just de-escalate like the need mm-hmm. for the one and only. Okay. So now we're going along and we choose something, but here's yeah. what you're so good at. And this is what people need some help with. And going back to Seth Godin, what he taught me is he said, Kathy, you know, business is radical empathy. You got to get a proof of concept. You got to validate a business. I think what happens for a lot of people is they throw the line out, they catch no fish and they go, I'm out. 
I'm out. It's not See, working. It's I like, knew it. I knew it. I'm not business minded. I knew right. it. Right. And what they don't get is that every human being who's ever been in business, whether it's Steve Jobs or Howard Schultz or you or me or anyone, the job isn't to get it right right away. And if you don't, you're out. It's really testing and then figuring out, like you said, what do they want? Right. And then you right. pivot over here. How do we break that down so that people go, all right, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to do these steps, which will help me to gain a, yeah. a, a sense of proof of concept so that I can be in a business. Yeah. So I think that if you've never started a business or run a business, then even the word feels very intimidating. Yeah. And they use words around it like, when should I launch? You can launch. Or you could just post on Facebook right now, hey, y'all, I'm thinking about starting a <laughs> salon. Does anybody need this in the area? Literally, that's how. So often the impressive things in life start as unimpressive things. They don't start impressive. They start as a Google search. Are there any salons in my area? What do you need to be a fitness coach? How to take my love of goat milk soap to my local craft fair. I mean, it literally starts as a Google search. It starts as a conversation between friends. It starts as a Facebook post. It starts as a blog. Um, so I think that one of my favorite things to do is I love to just reduce the overwhelm. Take the intimidation factor out of all of it. If you've never done something before, you don't have a background in business, you've never been, then it feels so big and scary only because it's unknown. That's the reason it feels big and scary. Most people running successful businesses don't have Harvard MBAs. They're just scrappy as hell. They just are willing to try some stuff. And so if you start to realize that what it takes to start a business is very simple, very unimpressive. It's a lot of, okay, what am I really good at? I'm really good at this thing, teaching canoeing, whatever the thing, build canoes. I'm good at this thing. Maybe I'll just do some research to see if there's something like this in my area. Maybe I'll just do some research, see what do people charge for this? Maybe I'll put a post on Facebook, say, hey guys, I've been making ornaments for my family and friends for years. Here's some pictures of them. Would anybody want to buy these if I started a side business making ornaments? Is this the kind of thing you'd want? And you start to get very organic, natural feedback from the market of how people perceive things. And what's so cool is though, when you take this idea in your head that you've been like, it's been keeping you up at night and you put it out there, out there can be anything, means saying it to a friend over coffee, putting it on Facebook, the ground begins to move beneath you yeah. and people come around you and they align themselves with you and your goal. And they say, hey, I know someone that loves ornaments. Hey, I think these would be great in the local cafe. fair. Hey, I actually know someone that can help you get your website set up. Have you got an Etsy shop? Because I've got a great graphic designer that could do some logos for you. People start raising their hand and aligning with you and, and it fuels your momentum. And you're like, oh my God, one step after another, you look up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm running a business teaching canoeing or I'm running a business making ornaments or whatever the thing is. I can't believe I'm doing it, but it didn't happen because you took this terrifying leap off a cliff when you were some version of ready. It was because you started with the Google search and you're like, all right, well, maybe I'll just like ask and maybe I'll just, so what I'd love to help people do is just take one step. So, so maybe the idea of launching a business is terrifying. Just post one blog, just get one customer, just, it, you, let's say you do hair, say just offer to do hair for someone for an upcoming event, just one tiny baby step, that low hanging fruit, that quick win. What it does is it not only validates your idea in a tiny way, it gets income into the business to begin to fund the business, but it does a world of difference for your confidence. And then you get the second customer with income, with validation, with confidence, and then more and more and more. And you look up one day and you're doing it, but it wasn't because you all of a sudden 
appeared out of thin air with an Instagram following of 2 million followers and a million dollar business. It's because you just started being willing to help one person. And there's a biblical principle here, but when you're faithful in the small things, God can trust you with bigger and better and more things. But some people are waiting for the 2 million followers to be considered successful, to actually put their heart into it. And like, if you don't put your heart into it with your two followers or your 200, you're never going to get 2 million. So are you taking care of your two? Are you taking care of your 200? Are you taking care of your, your one client right now? Focus on pouring your heart into that. And that's how it grows. Don't wait until, uh, speaking of Seth Godin, he says, if you wait until you have success to commit, you'll have neither. You have to commit to this before you have success if you want to ever have success. Mm, So unbelievable. And it's so true. And I love what you said about like, let's reduce the overwhelm. Like, let's just do it scrappy. And it can be that it's really unimpressive and it winds up being yeah. something that becomes so impressive. And absolutely, it doesn't have to be formal and fancy and a big deal. You can just start scrappy. You know what I mean? Not at all. Absolutely. I, I have my students and made to do this promise me at the beginning that they'll be a C student. I was like, I need C students. Yeah. I need yeah. like, let's get it out there. Let's test it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what you just said is really, really important. This ego that we have that tells us we're only worthy when there's a big following mm-hmm. and therefore when we don't have it, why even bother? And we're always looking to see who else is coming in as opposed to focusing on the human in front of us. So can you help people understand who maybe don't get how it works? How is it possible that we can start to see a path that if we serve these people, how does it work from your perspective that more people start to come? How will they find us? People say to me, I am posting. I am showing up so much for my 107 followers on Instagram, but nobody else sees it. No one else is coming. And I'm like, they will, they will, they will. Like how on earth? I'm not, they're not in my algorithm. How on earth? Yeah. How do you answer that question? Yeah. You said something that I want to hit on really quick before I answer that. You said it's our ego and man, you're so right about that because the reality is that so many people are not willing to suck. Give yourself permission to be a beginner. Give yourself permission to be a C student, like you said, be willing to suck so that you can get better. Because if you're not willing to suck and you're waiting until you're just awesome, you're never going to do anything. So get our ego out of the way. Like we need to have the humility to be a student, be a beginner and learn. And that's really humility of being willing to do that. So I love how you, you hit on that with the, with the ego. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So I think it's a combination. If we want to talk about marketing for a second, if that's yep. what we're talking about, like getting yep. more clients and posting and social media, it's a combination. You have to have strategy. Because let's say, use me as an example, I could be the best speaker in the world, but if I didn't have a platform, nobody knows about it. If I didn't have people that, you know, supported me and I have strategy to it, so it doesn't matter how good you are if you don't have a strategy of how to get that goodness to the world. So there's strategy, there's business strategy that goes into how you post, when you post, where you post, what you post. There needs to be intentionality behind it. We can talk about that. The other piece of it is you need to be good. (laughs) Now, you can be a beginner, And you don't have to be the best to add value. But if you show up with poor content, with spelling errors, that's not adding value and it's very self-focused, it's not going to spread because that's not what spreads. (laughs) What spreads is good content that is professional, that does something for its reader. So I think if you take these two components of being good that, you know, in a way that adds value and the business strategy of how and when and where you post that combination over time, still not overnight, unless you have something go viral, it's still over time, builds this gradual fan base and it gets easier and easier. The customer, the funnel, it all fills up more the larger that it gets. So, so let's talk about the, the good content, first of all. If I was going to give your listeners any one question 
that they need to know for their business, for themselves, whatever. They need to understand what problem they solve through their business. So let's talk about that quickly. This is the most important piece of information you know, know about your business, and here's why. The answer to this question tells you so many other important pieces of information about your business. When you know the problem you solve through your business, you know who your target market is because your target market are people that have that problem. Great, now I know who I'm here to serve. You know your value proposition. This is your basis for charging. You're justifying your pricing because you solve this problem. Right. You also know your marketing language. What are you gonna talk about on social media? What are you gonna talk about at the networking event? What are you gonna talk about in your newsletter? What are you gonna talk about in your website copy? You're gonna talk about how you solve that problem. That's actually all you're gonna talk about. And so when you understand the problem you solve, it's filling in the blanks for all these gaps that you're experiencing in your business and it, the whole thing becomes more clear and in focus. And then when you start to think about what am I gonna put on social media, you're talking about the problems that you solve that your customers have. Because when you think of yourself and you're scrolling through your phone, the only time that you stop is if someone has posted something you're interested in, something that speaks to you, something that adds value to you. It might entertain you. It might inform you. It might be interesting. It might be engaging. But every human being on the planet, their brain is wired for survival, which means the only thing your brain is thinking all day, every day, subconsciously below everything is what's in it for me. <laughs> At our core, we're selfish humans being, we're wired for survival. What's in it for me? Is it, if it's not in for me, scroll, scroll past. I'm not going to stop. But if I scroll through and, and, and I'm scrolling through and Kathy has a post and it's like, hey, here's how to engage your customers. Stop. Oh, I want to know how to engage my customers. That solves a problem. That adds value to me. I'm interested in that. What's in it for me? I get to learn how to engage my customers. So when you're as a business owner, as a brand, as a leader, everything you put out anywhere should answer the question your customer is always thinking, which is what's in it for me. That's what makes it good. That's what makes them care. That's what makes them share. When you do that, they naturally want to share it, retweet it, post it, engage with it. And so let me give you an example. I'll give you a, 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 change, a very specific example. There was a Twitter account. I don't even know if she's still a Twitter account. I used this example years ago. Mandy Hale, influencer here in Nashville. She had a big Twitter following. She went from, you know, obviously zero followers to like 750,000 in a pretty short amount of time. It wasn't an author or anything. She just had this Twitter account that like people connected with and she branded herself as the single woman. Okay. The mm -hmm. single woman. She was writing all about singleness, singleness. All of her tweets were you statements. You are worth it. You are worth fighting for. If he doesn't call you back, he's the one with the problem. You, you, you. So what happens? Her following, which are, I'm guessing single gals, scrolling through, it's like, you're worth it. Yes, I am worth it. Retweet. It's like, what's in it for me? It's speaking to me because everybody wants to think about themselves. That's why people love personality assessments. Like what's in it for me? So as a business owner, if you cannot be the person that goes, look at me, look at my brand, look at how awesome I am and my business and my products. If you're a business that says, look at you, look at what you're doing. Here's something that can help you. Here's how you're winning. Here's what you need. Here's why you can do this people will gravitate towards you because you're answering the question their brain is asking, which is what's in it for me. That's what makes good content. That's what makes people stop scrolling, care, and share.
That's what makes it good. Then you need some strategy. You need to be consistent. You need to show up at times when your customer is there. You do not post once and then disappear for three weeks. There are some best practices with posting that takes your good content and magnifies it, puts fuel in the fire through simple consistency and using multiple platforms, that type of thing. People think that like, if I show up too much, I'm going to get on people's nerves or if I repost the same kind of, people are not seeing everything you're doing. You can post the same thing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. People might see it once. 10% might see it once. So post, reuse, repurpose content, that type of thing. And so that, yeah, there's some best practices to maximize, but I'd say if, if we could fix anything, make it good. And that's what's going to make people want to share it. You're unbelievable and so right. And this really is the work. And when I get into a, a session with, with one of our students in a hot seat, it feels like physical therapy because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to hold you to this. Yeah. What's your promise? What yeah. problem are you solving? Right. 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 And don't just like make it up, like make sure that that's what your people are saying themselves. Right. And can right? we say one more thing about that? Yeah, Sorry. Please. I just get so excited, Kathy. Say it how they say it. When we are newbies at business or you feel like an amateur, you feel like you're going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps by being super fancy. I'm going to use super fancy language to let people know I'm really serious and I'm going to get a new laptop bag and a suit because I'm a real business person. No, listen, <laughs> people don't want a real business person. What they want is a human being. And so all of your copy that you write for your website, all of your social media posts, every conversation you have, every email that you write needs to say it how you would say it if you were talking to a friend, because you are. And so I will go through, and when I have, a, I have a marketing team that writes emails for me, and I read them, and I'm like, no, no, I would not like to offer you to purchase on my da-da-da page. I'm like, hey, girl, hey, get you a copy. Get right. you a copy. That's how I would <laughs> say it. Not, would you like to purchase a da-da-da-da? No, don't use language. If you wouldn't use it with a friend, don't really use it. So when, you, when you're working on your elevator pitch, I don't say... I equip and empower entrepreneurs to use their gifts and take their business acumen to a qualified target market to make an economical impact in the world. No, I say, I help women make money doing what they love. That's what I do because that's how I'd say it to a friend. And one more thing on this, yep. the average American reads at the fourth grade reading level. Here's why that matters for you as a copywriter. If you're writing at the graduate level or even the college level, when people read your stuff, when they read your websites, when they read your blogs, when they read your books, when they read your social media posts, here's what they think. They think she's really smart and I feel dumb. When you write at their level, they think she is like me and I feel smart. Write so that your customer feels smart, not so that they feel dumb. So say it how they would say it. If I ask you your elevator pitch and you got 47 words and you wouldn't say it like a friend and you're stumbling over your words to even get it out right because you're trying to remember what you wrote, it's not right. It's not simple enough. Albert Einstein said, if you can't explain it simply, it's because you don't understand it well enough. So say it simply. Don't get fancy. Fancy is not impressing anybody. You need to be conversational and real and relatable. That builds trust. So say it in a way you would when you're talking to a friend. I get Literally so everything you say is a mic drop. Okay, we have a few more things to cover, but let's just thank our sponsors. I always try to stay curious and be in the know about the latest news and culture, and that's why I love that this show is supported by The New Yorker. In print and online, The New Yorker stands apart for its commitment to truth and accuracy, quality writing, and compelling reporting and storytelling. The New Yorker's weekly print issues and daily online articles cover a full range of topics like pop culture, arts, news, humor, politics, international affairs, the environment, fiction. There's bound to be something that you're going to enjoy. And a 12-week subscription for just $6 
includes home delivery of the print edition each week and unlimited access to the New Yorker website. This is a 50% discount for our listeners. I love that they have such a variety of content that delivers both information and inspiration. One recent article I read was about how audiences will adapt to the new age of virtual theater. I used to go to plays and stand-up comedy and musical shows, so I'm curious to see what that's going to look like in the future. And it was interesting to hear about the writer's virtual theater experience he had. For a limited time, you can get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6. That's a savings of 50%. Plus, listeners of my show will receive an exclusive tote bag for free. Go to newyorker.com slash dreamjob. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-E-R.com slash dreamjob to get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for just $6 and a free tote bag. newyorker.com slash dreamjob. It's a crazy and uncertain time for businesses everywhere, and now your next important hire is more crucial than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. You have full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, and you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search so much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. They've helped over 3 million businesses and 73 of online job seekers visit Indeed every month. So this this is definitely where you want to be if you're looking to hire. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash DreamJob. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash DreamJob. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Unbelievable. Okay, next question. So we're, we're doing it and we're working on that problem. We're solving it and we're showing up. And we're validating it, but oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Christy, here's what happens. People I'm do ready not for want to receive money. Oh, I feel so bad taking your money. Mm-hmm. First of all, I have a belief that no one has money. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually doing something cruel by being in business. Sure. Because if I'm in business and I'm selling something, I'm doing yeah. something wrong. It's You're the worst. Sure. And receiving the money. Who am I to receive it? I probably should have less. I should probably have less money because everybody has no money. And by selling something, I'm actually doing something very wrong. Mm -hmm. So how do we overcome that? I'm going to try to boil this down because this is such a big problem. And it's a problem in my audience, your audience. It's a problem globally. Okay. So we have some mixed up and completely inaccurate ideas about money. We do. Okay. So let's go ahead and, and challenge the premise of what we believe, because here's the reality for everyone watching right now, everyone listening. The reality is if you do not believe in the goodness of business and making money, you will never have a good business and you will never make money. So you need to understand that reality that if you struggle with this, this is what you need to fix before you start a business. Because if you don't fix this in your heart and soul and spirit and convictions and values, you will create a business you hate, feel guilty for, are ashamed of and sabotage because you feel guilty for success. So you need to fix this in you before you even go down this path. Now, if you're already in your business, I'm going to help you. We're all going to help you. Here's the deal. Money is a moral. Money is a moral. It is not good. It is not bad. It is like a brick. No one would look at a brick and go, oh my God, that's the nicest brick. It's so sweet. It's so kind, so virtuous. That's a mean brick, jerk. No, no one thinks that because it's a stupid brick, right? Money is like that. It is a amoral object that is a tool that is when put in the hands of a human, it can be used for good or bad, just like a brick. You can take a brick and build a building that is a home for someone and an orphanage for children. That is a good thing. You could take that brick and throw it through your neighbor's car window. That is not a nice thing. The brick didn't decide. The person did. And money is like that. It is a tool that can be used for good or used for bad. The amount of money 
does not determine the character of the person. The character of the person determines how any amount of money is used. Now, I don't know about you, Kathy, but I know some people that are poor and they're jerks. And I know some people that are wealthy and they are generous with their money. We have this idea that rich people are evil. If you're wealthy, it makes you evil. And the amount of money does not determine the character of the person. The character of the person determines how any amount of money is used, which by the way, is a side note. If we're just going to get super practical, let's just leave the Christian aspect out of it. If you're a good person, I hope you make a lot of money because you'll actually do something nice with it. Please, please go make a bunch of money. What would you do with it? You would do with such wonderful things with it. And so so when we get this idea that money is evil and money makes us evil, well, then it holds us back from ever being able to do anything. There's also a very practical reality in our world that money is the common denominator of everything you want to do in your life. Do you want to get married? It costs money. Want kids? They're expensive. Guess what that requires? Money. It's a tool that allows you to do what you want to do. And the more successful that your business is and the more money that comes into your business, the more that you can grow, the more people you can help, the more impact you can make in the marketplace, the more people you can employ and give them jobs and provide for your own household. If you're a believer, there's an amazing parable in the, in the scriptures about the parable of the talents where the servant that did not grow the money, it's thrown out with the weeping of gnashing of teeth, the wicked and lazy servant. Others that doubled the money was well done. The message is well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I can trust you with many things. If you're not faithful and a good steward of the money you have or the followers of you have, God's not going to give you more to mismanage. If you're self-sabotaging, you feel guilty. Now, if you are doing something immoral in your business, certainly you should stop that, but you're not. Because so many people feel like that serving the marketplace is evil. Serving the marketplace is literally serving. It is taking care of God's people with your talents. And there's a value on that. And the price and the dollar exchange is an exchange of value. Just like when you go to Starbucks and you give them your $5 because you would rather have that latte than your $5 and Starbucks would rather have your $5 than that latte. It's an exchange of value. We don't have to feel all squirmy and weird about it because that's how value exchange works. And the same is true in your business. But I think so many people get held up here because of their own fear and insecurity in their mind. They don't know how to price. They don't know how to pay themselves. They don't believe they're worth it. They believe that if they're selling, it makes them a greedy, slimy car salesman. And it's the problem with people making money has actually nothing to do with the customers or the amount of money. It has to do with their own beliefs and their own mind that are holding them back. And that's why I love to help people dig in there and fix it at the root of their belief in themselves to help them be set free because you'd be amazed at the ripple effect in their business and in their life when they realize you have nothing to be sorry for. You have nothing to be sorry for because business is about serving the marketplace. And as um, either Rabbi Lappin or Ken Blanchard says, when you serve the marketplace well, they will give you certificates of appreciation with president's faces on them. They will give you money. It's a report card of how well you're serving. And that is a good thing. Your words are medicine. Mm. And it's how you say your words and what you choose to say. And you are so generous. Look how much energy you pour. And this is, you do this every time I'm with you. Every time I see you do anything, you are here for it. Thank you. You have an event coming up um, October 22nd to 24th called Business Boutique Conference. And the reason I'm mentioning is because A, I want people to know about it. B, because you don't shrink down and not talk about it. 
<laughs> right? You have to talk about no, it. No, and we're doing a live stream this year for the first time. 2020, everybody's getting creative. <laughs> it's so awesome. And I hope, and I will put the links to it so people can come. I want to come. Thank you. It's so awesome. Thank you, so thank so you. The, my question is though, for people, when it comes to selling, part of the same conversation we were just having is, oh, but then I have to put myself out there. Yeah. Ooh, I have yeah. to talk about it a lot. I have to sell it. I not just take the money part, but once I'm over the money hump, I actually have to go and yeah discuss it and sell it and sell selling feels like I'm annoying people. And totally. I feel like I should be apologizing right. every time I mention it. Right. How do you not do that? How do two you th- get over two that? things, two things, two things. One, if you act sorry, then you're teaching people that you have something to be sorry for and you don't. So people are responding to you because of how you're leading out by acting. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Well, my pies are just um, $20, but if you don't have that much, you know, you can just pay, you can just give me a hug, give me some Skittles, make me dinner. We have a sliding scale for our pies. And oh, by the way, we give 10% of our money to the local nonprofit because I'm a good person. So would you like my pie? Listen, if you act pitiful, people think you're pitiful. You're going to have a pitiful brand and you're not going to make money because you act like you have something to be sorry for and you don't. You don't have anything to be sorry for when you're serving the marketplace well. You have nothing to apologize for. But let's go back to the selling. Let's go back to like marketing, talking about it. So think about your kids. So my son went to kindergarten this year before kindergarten. He's like, mom, what's it going to be like? I did not say, I don't know, buddy. I mean, Yikes. Like, I mean, kids might be mean. Uh, you might not know where the lunchroom is. Like, um, you know, it might be hard to make friends. Uh, it might be cold. I don't know. I, I didn't say any of that. I said, it's going to be amazing. You're going to meet so many new people. You're going to do so many fun things. There are going to be so many different aspects of kindergarten you've never gotten to experience before. I can't wait to hear how awesome your day is because it's going to be awesome. When you get home, I can't wait for you to tell me about it because it's going to be awesome. Why do I do that, Kathy, as his mother? Because I want to set his mind toward those things. I want to set him looking for the friends and the awesome. And I speak, I, it's, my new, it's my new phrase I've come up with, aggressive confidence. Confidence isn't enough, aggressive is not enough. We're putting them aggressive confidence over here. But I'm aggressively confident that his day is gonna be awesome. And when I speak that over him, he looks for that and he steps into that. Now, let's transfer that to business. Someone comes to my book signing line and they bought my book, Business Boutique, and they're holding like, hey, I'm really excited to read this. Do you think it'll help me? I don't say, well, golly, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. It's a coin toss. Let me know. No, here's what I say, Kathy. I say, yes, it will help you. I can't wait to see the impact in your business when you use this plan and put it into practice in your business. I can't wait to see how many more people you're going to be able to help because you have the steps that you need to get to where you want to be. I can't wait to hear about your success story and see about how you're winning. In fact, hey, will you write down my email and send me your success story when you're successful? Because I can't wait to watch you win. Write down my email. I want to share it on my show. It's aggressive confidence where I speak. It's the Christian term is speak life over people. But here's what's amazing. Kathy, she walks away. And in that two second interaction, I have believed in her so much that she believes in herself and she wants to prove me right. And she walks away and she tries to win because she believes she can win and the plan helps her. Why do I do that? Two reasons. One, I do it because I actually believe it. And if you don't actually believe in your business, it's going to be really hard to sell something you don't believe in. So you need to fix your belief in yourself and your business at the core. I actually believe that it helps people. The second thing is I want to speak life over her. So she steps into that. And so she wants to prove me right. Not because I'm anybody, but because someone spoke that into being. One of the things that people struggle with when it comes to selling 
is they focus on what they can get, not on what they can give. Let's talk about that. Anybody that's struggling with selling or marketing, the reason they're struggling is they're thinking, I'm going to get money. I'm going to get a sale. What are people going to think of me? Get, get, get. It's me, me, me. It's all about me. Business is never about you. Business is about the other person and who you're helping. So if you will flip your focus and not focus on what you're going to get, but you focus on what you're going to give, you will talk about your business with such authentic, genuine care and confidence. And then by the way, you'll get all that and more. The same thing is true for public speakers. Public speakers that walk on a stage focusing on, can I get a standing ovation? Can I get a laugh? They miss the mark every time. But if you walk on stage and say, what, how can I give value, solutions, tools, resources, you end up getting the applause. You get those things. When someone comes to my book signing, like, I don't think I'm going to get $20. I think, how can I give help? And in all your selling, marketing, and interactions, if you would just flip your focus to focus on what you're giving, not what you're getting, you will not feel bad about selling because you realize you're not selling, you're serving. And by the way, that's a great life principle as well, not just business. Focus on what you can give, not what you can get. It's like listening to music to listen to you. It's like, it's like, <laughs> well, you don't want me to sing. So I'm glad, I'm glad this helps. <laughs> it's like, you are unbelievably special. It is oh, so, so, so kind, incredible. Kathy. People are saying they're so lit up that the only question they have is tell us more about this conference. Oh, so awesome. why don't you take a minute and tell us about this amazing conference, October 20th. Yes. So christywright.com is where you can get tickets, learn about the live stream. We're doing an in-person event, but we're also live streaming it. And it's three days. We've got speakers from all over um, hitting on every different topic of business. We've got Jamie Kern Lima, who's the founder of It Cosmetics, just sold for a billion dollars, just a small little business. Um, Lisa Bevere, Gigi Butler. Um, we've got Chris Hogan, Elizabeth Hesselbeck. So we've got an amazing lineup of speakers. And each of us are kind of taking different topics depending on what people struggle with the most. But I would say one of the cool things I love about what you do, Kathy, and, and our audiences are so similar. So it's really helping people in the side business, small business, solopreneur, home-based business, freelance business space, um, helping them figure out how to chase their version of success and give them the plan and tools and the inspiration <laughs> that they need to win. So they can find out more at christywright.com if they want to join us. Christy, thank you for being you. Thank you for just pouring in with such generosity to everybody. I wish I could talk to you literally from now until the end of time. Uh, Kathy, same. You're one of my favorite people. So anything I can ever do for you ever, like I love you. I love your show and I love what you do. So thank you for having me. Thanks for- I love you. Thanks, and tell everybody, thanks for letting me be here. They today. love you too. Oh my gosh. I love Christy conversation was so epic. Here are the takeaways. Number one, you have a lot of talents and gifts and there are a lot of needs you can serve. Just pick one and start with it. You don't have to sign away your life. You can choose and try one thing, then iterate, change, adapt, and pivot. Number two, the impressive things in life start as unimpressive things. Take one little step, post one blog, get one customer. It not only validates your business in a tiny way, but it gets income into your business and does a world of difference for your confidence. Number three, take care of your two customers instead of focusing on getting the two million. If you wait until you have success to commit, you're going to have neither. You have to commit before you have success if you want to ever have success. Number four, anything you put out should always answer the question your customer's thinking, which is what's in it for me. Don't make content about you, make it about them. When you do that, they will naturally share and spread the word. Number five, money is amoral. It's not good and it's not bad. It's a tool that can be used for good or bad. The more money you make, the more you can grow, the more people you can help, and the more impact you can make. Number six, you don't need to apologize when you're serving the marketplace. Place, believe in your business and be aggressively confident. Number seven, business is never about you. Focus on what you can give and not what you can get. You guys, 
thank you so much for listening. I know how much is going on. I know that there's a million things and you're here and it means the world to me because your time is the most precious thing that you have. So thank you for being here. We have so many good episodes coming out, including Martha Beck and the interview I'm going to do later today with Matthew McConaughey, which we're going to put out soon. So go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it doesn't cost you a thing. I'm going to leave you with a question. Did you learn anything from Christy today? Can you think of one person? Can you think of one person in your life who needs this podcast? If the answer is yes, please go right now and send them a link to the show because it might be the tiny little step that actually opens the door to a whole new possibility, to a whole new reality for them. And we're starting a movement here and it's growing and it's amazing. And every day I'm getting DMs from people saying, Kath, because of you, I started this business on Etsy. Kath, because of you, I put my offer out there and I'm helping my family through COVID. So... I am going to be aggressively confident. I want each of you to send this episode to one person because I have no doubt that there are more than one person in each of our lives that can really benefit from this. So please go ahead and send it. And also, if you want to hang out with me and my mastermind girlfriends like Amy Purdy and Gina DeVee and Jill Stanton and Ali Kazaza and Britt Morin and Allison Prince, if you want to hang out with us this Wednesday, just go ahead and follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller and send me a DM and I'll send you the link to where we're going to be meeting up on Wednesday. It's totally free. It's going to be just a way for you to join our weekly mastermind chat. We're going to be there to give you some tools and inspiration. It's going to be fun. I love you guys and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.